Wonderful to see you all this morning. Wonderful to be out on this Easter Sunday morning. And we really are looking to the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit to work in all of our lives this morning. Not one or two, but in all of our lives this morning. Thanks just for those of you that are online. Thanks for joining us this morning. And also thank you to those who engaged at the cross during the week. Um, various folk had taken part in the videos, and we really appreciated the thoughts that they brought out of that, brought out of that as we led up to Easter Sunday morning. This morning, I want to think about empty and filled. Empty and filled. The meaning of empty is this, containing nothing. That's like my head. <laughs> containing nothing, not filled or occupied. That's what empty means. I want to read from John chapter 19, verse 38 to 42. Open the Word of God. Let's read the Word of God together this morning. After these things... After the crucifixion, after all that had happened at Golgotha, at Calvary, outside the city of Jerusalem, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Jesus that he might take away the body of Jesus, or asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been led. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they led Jesus there. We'll read some more as we go through this morning. Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate to beg for his body. Joseph, it tells us here, was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask you this morning, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ and you have not yet confessed him? You've trusted him a year ago, 20 years ago, but to this very day, you have not confessed him as Lord of your life to family or friends or work colleagues or anyone. You're a secret disciple this morning. Come on, be a Joseph today. Step out and say, I'm with Jesus. I'm with him. That's what Joseph did. Fear had gripped him, and that's why he wasn't confessing that he was a disciple of Jesus. But he came, as did Nicodemus. And they took the body of Jesus and bound it in an cloths. I can only imagine the scene. Here were disciples. The one that they followed had died, was on a cross. Isaiah tells us this. 750 years before this event, Isaiah says, 
Jesus, he was assigned a grave with the wicked. Do you know what that means? That means that Jesus was assigned by the governors, by the authorities, basically to be dumped, his body to be dumped in the valley of Hinnon, like they did with everybody else. That's what was assigned. But, says Isaiah, assigned a grave with the, with the, with the wicked, but with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Jesus was buried in a brand new tomb belonging to Joseph. No one had ever been in it. Joseph had hewn it out of the rock. And these two men come and they take his body. I could just think of how gentle, how tender, as they wrap, wrap the body in linen bands and spices and aloes. I've no doubt that their eyes were filled with tears. I've no doubt that their hearts were breaking and their emotions were all over the place. As these two men, as, as Ken Clark thought about last evening in the video, as these two men of some notability come out into the open and say, we belong to Jesus Christ and we're going to look after his body. A number of years ago, we're going to sing this song at the end, outside a city wall. We're going to sing it at the end. I'm so glad about that. But there was only three verses to that song. And whenever we were meeting in the house in, in, uh, down in Ian's as FCF, Ian and Ruth went away for a wee romantic break to Fort Aventura. And while they were there, I got a text back. How do you think these two verses would fit to the end of outside a city wall? From Ian. This sums up this passage of Scripture. Outside the city wall, I saw two men approaching. Saddened hearts and eyes filled up with tears. And his body they prepare, linen bands, aloes and myrrh with those stark words still ringing in their ears, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. You see, folks, this morning, the cross is empty. Amen. The cross is empty. It is finished, Jesus said. An empty cross declares it is finished. John chapter, or Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Here were women coming to the tomb. It says actually one of the gospels, they came while it was still dark. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. 
And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Scripture speaks for itself here, doesn't it? Here were these women, they had come, they, they, they were looking for the body of the Lord Jesus, but the body was gone. The body was gone. And, and the angel says, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? You're in a tomb. This is where dead people are. What are you doing here seeking for someone who's alive? He is not here, but has risen. Do you not remember what he said? He told you this when he was in Galilee. He told you he was going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He told you he was going to be crucified. And he told you on the third day he was going to rise again. And they remembered his words. Isn't it incredible this morning that not only is there an empty cross because Jesus paid for your sin and for mine and that penalty is paid for and and he wants us to repent and trust him and he wants us to not to work anymore, not to pay anymore to get to heaven, but just acknowledge he finished the work at the cross. Not only is the cross empty, but the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Outside the garden tomb is the second verse he sent me. An angel is proclaiming he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. His blood has paid for sin so that all may enter in. That mighty work is finished. As he said. People met the risen Christ. Jesus is alive today. Mary Magdalene met him. The women met him returning from the tomb. Peter later in the day met him. The disciples on the way to Emmaus met him. The the disciples when Thomas was with them in, in the upper room met him. The disciples met him again whenever Thomas was present a week later. The disciples met him up in Galilee. More than 500 met him on a Galilean mountain. James met him. The the disciples at the ascension met him. Paul met him on the Damascus road. Stephen met him. Stephen saw him as he was being stoned to death. John on the Isle of Patmos met him. Jesus Christ is alive and there's many witnesses to prove it. An empty cross, it's finished. An empty tomb, he is alive. But let me take you to Hebrews 8, verses 1 and 2. And Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. We'll come back to this. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. The cross is empty, the tomb is empty, but the throne is filled. The throne in heaven is filled. Jesus Christ, in both of these scriptures, the writer to the Hebrews says, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. 
He's seated. When someone sits on a throne, that says their work is completed. The work of Calvary completed. But the writer here says, we have such a high priest. You see, a priest was someone in the Old Testament who, who, who made intercession on behalf of the people. He made intercession to God on behalf of the people. Hebrews 9 says this, this high priest, Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the throne above, it says he appears in heaven for us. He appears in heaven for you. He takes what you pray, what you speak, and he presents that to God his Father. He intercedes on our behalf. And Hebrews 4 tells us this, he knows our weaknesses. He knows exactly our frame. He knows what we're like. He knows the struggles we have. He knows all of our weaknesses because he was tempted in everything like we are without sin. What an amazing Savior this morning. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Who are you looking to this morning? Who am I looking to this morning? Whenever I grow weary or discouraged. In the audience and in this room this morning, there are people who are weary. There are people who are discouraged. What does it mean to be weary? Our strength is exhausted. We're tired. We're fatigued. We're socially weary. We're spiritually weary. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and in every possible way, we could be weary and discouraged this morning. Did you notice? So that you may not grow weary. It's something that could be continual, that you grow weary, that you grow discouraged. What's the antidote? Consider him. Consider him. Consider Jesus. Consider the cross. Consider the fact the tomb is empty. Consider the fact that he's seated at the right hand of the majesty and high, and he has you in his mind, and he wants to intercede for you this morning, and he wants you to cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you today. The hymn writer got it right. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he, because no one else could take the sin and the darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Human hands emptied the cross and filled the tomb. And God emptied the tomb and filled the throne. J.B. Watson. A filled throne, he is interceding. An empty tomb, he is alive. An empty cross, it is finished. I want you to think about a filled place. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. Revelation chapter 5, we're reading. 
numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Jesus Christ provided a way that heaven might be filled. And heaven will be filled. Myriads of myriads and thousands upon thousands. Jesus paid for it at the cross, and he wants you to be in heaven today. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance and live. That's what Jesus wants for you today. And the only option to heaven is hell. Jesus took our hell on the cross. What I deserved, he took it out of love for me that I might have a place amongst this numbering throng of thousands and thousands saying, worthy is the Lamb. We're not going to be singing in heaven all the time. Heaven's a, a kingdom, a place where we will reign with him and serve him and love him and we'll never get tired or weary or discouraged. It's a filled place. Are you going to be there? He is worthy. An empty cross, an empty cross, it is finished. An empty tomb, he is alive. A filled throne, he is interceding. And a filled place, he is worthy. But listen, between the filled throne and between the filled place, that's where we are today. That's where we're living. And in between the filled throne and the filled place, we live. And that and what I have shared with you this morning and what lies ahead of us demands from every single one of us this morning a response. What is my response to this? Saul was on the Damascus road. He was going to persecute Christians. And the Lord spoke to him and confronted him. And when he saw the Lord, he cried out this, Lord, what will you have me to do? Many questions in life, folks. Many questions in life. What do I do about a partner? What do I do about a job? What do I do about the vaccine? What do I do about this? What do I do about that? Stephen read this morning, I couldn't believe it when he read Proverbs, only asked him to pray, but he read, praise God. And what did he read? He read Proverbs 3. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Lord, what do you want me to do this morning? Take the word of God, get it open and get before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what Sam Bammer wants me to do. Not what FCF wants me to do. Not what my best friend wants me to do. What do you want me to do today? That day when Paul was confronted with Christ on the Damascus road, Lord, what will you have me to do? 
He surrendered his life to Christ that day. And maybe that's where you are today. The first thing you need to do is give your life over to Jesus Christ, where you're sitting right now. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. Thank you for preparing a place in heaven for me. I want to trust you with all of my soul and life and heart. I'm sorry for my sin. Come into my life and change me, Lord, this morning. What a morning, Easter morning, to come to Christ. There's four things I want you to think about as we think about, Lord, what do you want me to do? Give my life five things, maybe. Second thing, remember me. In a short time, in a short time, we're going to take these. Bread. Reminded us of the body of Christ that hung on that cross, that body that those men prepared. And juice reminding us of the precious blood that he shed that our sins could be forgiven. In a short time, we're going to take those. And before Jesus left this earth, he asked those who love him, he asked his disciples, he asked those that truly love him, will you remember me? Don't forget me. I'm going to be bold this morning. Sometimes our dinner is more important than communion. What else does he want me to do? He wants me to talk to him. He wants me, Lord, what do you want me to do? He wants me to talk to him when I'm on my own, when I'm together with, with a group of believers. He wants me to communicate with him, to talk with the Lord. When I'm walking down the street, when I'm driving the car, when I'm standing at the sink, when I'm in work, where, wherever I am, I can talk to the Lord. He wants me to listen to him. He wants me to, to listen to what he's saying through his word. Not reading it to tick a box, but reading it to hear from him. And he wants me to obey him. He wants me to surrender to him, to remember him, to talk to him, to listen to him, and to obey him. Maybe this morning, I just heard today two guys getting baptized this afternoon. They're obeying the Lord. Maybe you need to obey him. Maybe there's a call to mission. Maybe a call to witness. Some act of service where God is saying and the Holy Spirit has been saying to you, you need to do that. And you've been resisting it and putting it off. Blinkered by Satan and influenced by men. Oh, that we would come to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm going to ask Stevie to come soon to give thanks for the emblems as we remember the Lord together. And if you have forgot your bread and your wine, that's okay. Remember him in your heart.
But before we do that, the Lord's been laying a song in my heart for this this morning for, for a number of weeks now. And I tell you something that burns into my very soul and being as I even look at the words here now. And I'm going to ask us to sit and just listen as Glenda sings it to us. Search me, O God. Know my heart today. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You want to be cleansed from your sin and set free. And you see, when you cry out that to the Lord, and maybe even sing it and claim it as Glenda sings it to us, you can then say, I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. I'm just quoting some of the lines. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Take all my will, my passion, myself, my pride. Oh, Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. We all want revival, don't we, in our land, in our country, whatever, in the world. The writer here says, start the work in me. Brothers and sisters, you know, you know this morning we love you. Those of you that don't know Jesus this morning, we love you. We want you to be in the kingdom. We want you to be in heaven with us. This morning, I plead with you this morning. I plead with you. As we listen to this song, that in the quiet moments, that as individuals, we do business with God Almighty. That Easter Sunday 2021 is a milestone a milestone in our spiritual journey in life. May God bless his word to our hearts as I hand over to Glenda and then to Stevie. Thank you.